This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, Mama. Hello, and welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. Not going to lie to you guys, I am pretty pumped about today's episode because we got to interview one of my inspirations in the birth world and a woman who I've been following for a while, I think ever since we got pregnant and her organization and was just so honored that she took the time out of her life to hang out with us because she has quite a few things going on. So I'm talking about Lindsay Bliss. Lindsay Bliss is a doula, doula trainer, co-director of Carriage House Birth, and recently published author of The Doula's Guide to Empowering Your Birth, an awesome book, by the way, which you need to check out. Not only is she all of that, but she's a wife and a mother to seven and included in those seven are two consecutive sets of twins. I'll say that again, two consecutive sets of twins. (laughs) We just have an amazing conversation and go all across the board talking about her book, talking about the need to support and serve the LGBTQIA community through birth work, what's next for her, what carriage house birth has going on. It is awesome, you guys. So enjoy our conversation with Lindsay Bliss. Real quick before that, a shout out to our sponsor. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Bump Boxes. Bump Boxes is a monthly pregnancy subscription service tailored to mom's due date. So that means monthly deliveries of healthy pregnancy, mom, and baby products for every stage of your pregnancy up to your little one's first birthday. Each box contains full-size, safe, and healthy, trusted products and brands. They've treated hundreds of thousands of mamas everywhere to a fun, pampering experience. So treat yourself or a mama friend to a gift they'll really love and make their life easier. And now you can receive 35% off your first box in a subscription with the code D-I-A-H to let them know we sent you. And because we like to try out anything we promote on the show, we got our own bump box, even though we are bumpless at the moment. And this stuff is awesome, you guys. Such a cool concept and company, and I wish we used something like this while we were pregnant. So go to bumpboxes.com and use the code D-I-A-H for your order today. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? Hi, I'm awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us on the Doing It at Home podcast. We're super stoked to have you, and we know that you're up there with your family and that you stole a few moments to chat with us, so we're very, very grateful. Well, thank you for for having me. It's it's a pleasure, really. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, you have been involved in the birth world for a minute, and you've made a little bit of a mark so far in some of the things that you've been involved in, um, being a doula, doula educator, co-director of Carriage House Birth, recent author of the amazing book, The Doula's Guide to Empowering Your Birth. And you're also very present and very well known and respected in the Instagram world at Doula Bliss. And I think that's how I originally came across you a way while back and have just been following you and your journey and through your family and your work. And it's just all really awesome. So I know a lot of ears are perking up right now and are really excited to hear what you have to say and you know a little bit about your journey and particularly the book, which I'm excited to dive into aspects of that. Um, but before we kind of dive into all that, could you just reiterate a little bit of what I just said, but about yourself and anything you'd like to share as far as your journey into birth work and a little bit about your family, just a little bit about you? Okay. Um, where do I start? Oh, um, <laughs> I have seven children. Um, One is my stepdaughter who kind of introduced me to the idea of kids. And then my partner and I had six kids together. Um, Half of them were born in the hospital. Half of them were born at home. Um, One of my hospital births was actually the driving force behind me becoming a birth doula. Um, I felt very disempowered and like, I didn't know what my choices were. It was a twin pregnancy. So there was, um, lots of fear swirling around that pregnancy. And when the babies were a few months old, I decided to take a birth doula training. Um, and I was, you know, pumping in a back room during the training and having my husband bring me the babies to breastfeed during the the doula training. So it was work that I got dragged into literally. I just, it's something I had to do. Um, and then, uh, I was a doula working with, you know, a few other doulas in the industry. And I was introduced to Domino and Samantha who are now my partners at carriage house birth. Um, which is a doula agency and education, um, 
collective that we're based in New York and we're based in Los Angeles and we're starting to do trainings all over the country. And so a lot of my focus um, currently is on Carriage House um, and really um, growing our brand and, and trying to um, educate people so they know what their choices are. Um, and the book ended up being born just out of, I, I had done an article with Mind Body Green on my family. I think it was on like green parenting. Um, and someone had reached out to me from the publishing company that I wrote the book with, um, interested in doing a book about, you know, being a doula and my journey my with birthing. Um, from my perspective. And so that was born while I was breastfeeding my youngest um, at night, <laughs> every couple hours um, that I had to myself, I would be writing um, on my phone, actually, in the notes section of my phone. Wow. That's awesome. That is so cool. Wow. Book writing has changed a bit over the years, yeah. hasn't it? That's so cool, though. It's the, it's the way that I can multitask. Yeah. You know, it's, I wear many, many, many hats. So it's just how I was able to do it. I love it. That's amazing. That was actually going to be one of my questions. So when did you squeeze a book in there? You know, like, what were you doing? But that's, that's it. That's awesome. Yeah, my singleton, she's my last, I say last. Um, but, you know, if I could have more babies, I would. My My husband was done three kids ago. So we're, we're, we're really, really done. Um, but I, you know, co-sleep with her. I, my last babies were twins. So I had a very different, um, journey with them and they were in their own room and I needed more sleep because I couldn't function without sleep. This little one, the last one has been spoiled rotten and is just on me like a little barnacle at all times. Um, so being able to just snuggle with her in bed and breastfeed and write was actually really amazing and, and kind of therapeutic mm -hmm. as well. Um, so it was, it was not your typical book writing journey, I don't think. Mm, that's amazing. I, I love that. And I love all the things that you're involved in. And I know so many people are grateful that you went into the work that you said you, you basically had to because you were just there and and that was that was your path um i remember a way while back uh there's a funny picture of matthew and me from pregnancy when i was actually just days before giving birth and so we did this kind of funny remember side by side and carriage <laughs> house it. shared it and when you guys shared it i remember thinking oh, we've made it matthew <laughs> like <laughs> we are legitimate now um so it's just funny how my perspective and like being in the birth world i have my own visions now of like celebrity status and you know where it's just so funny like i don't care about real celebrities anymore i care about all the amazing women and birth workers i'm following on instagram these days well, it shifts, right? Your interests definitely shift the older you get. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the more life you live, you start to have different different um, interests and different areas of focus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the book for a minute. You know, you just talked about how you wrote it, the process of it, but there's a few aspects of this book. I mean, the whole thing is amazing, but there's a few that I just wanted to get some more perspective from you on or just, you know, riff on for a few minutes. Um one of the things that struck me, and you mentioned this, I think a couple times in the book, the statement, if you don't know your options, you don't have any. 
And that Mm -hmm. just really struck me because it seems kind of simple if you come at it from a certain angle, but at at the same time, it's incredibly profound. And I'm just wondering if that was something you kind of came to through some of your own experience, like you were saying you felt disempowered at one point by one of your births, or I mean, I'm sure through your work and the, the conversations you have with your clients and women and families, that that just seems to be a trend. So I'm just wondering how you kind of came to that realization. Um, It was definitely my twin pregnancy and birth that was in the hospital that alerted me to the fact that care providers often don't give you all the options and, um, you know, a lot of times pose things as this is what's happening and not knowing, like, I didn't know that I can ask, like, well, is that medically necessary? Do we have time? Um, I ended up having to fight quite a bit for a vaginal delivery with my twins in a hospital. Um, and I didn't know that a lot of the tests that were being offered were optional because they weren't posed to me as optional things. Like, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. And I, you know, through that process, I found that a lot of things weren't phrased as choices. And and then becoming a birth worker, I mean, that's a whole different thing. I mean, you know, people get treated differently based on the fact that they have like Medicaid or if they have pri- uh, private insurance, like they get treated differently. A lot of times things aren't offered as as options. Like we're going to do, you know, I have a family friend who has a young girl who's pregnant. This is a close family friend. And they were trying to get her to do all these unnecessary tests because she's on Medicaid and they're trying to, I guess, ring up the bill or, or whatnot and charge Medicaid for all these things that are not medically necessary. And if she didn't know any better or have me as a family friend, she wouldn't know that these things are options. Like who gives a 17 year old girl, girl an amnio? Oh, wow. You know, it, it just, just things like that. Mm-hmm. And because she also, her mother's not an English speaker. Mm-hmm. Her mother's like working on getting her citizenship and the way things are phrased to her are not choices. Um, you know, so it's like, yes, I have my experience and I was in with that pregnancy. I had private insurance. I chose my doctor. I, I thought I had a lot of choice. Right. But a lot of things weren't presented to me as a choice. Um, and then it was always, well, if you don't do that, you know, your babies could die. Mm. There was no like in between. Right. Um, you know, and little things like I was told I couldn't have a doula because I was delivering my twins in the operating room, which is pretty standard for twin delivery in our country is that you can labor in the L and D room. And then when you push them out, if you're given the chance to push them out, um, that you're doing it in the operating room. If there were something to go wrong, you're there already in the operating room. But I was told I couldn't have a doula um, because only one person can support you in the operating room. Um, And I really, I look back and I'm like, gosh, my whole journey would have been so much better if I had had the support of a doula, which I had wanted for that birth, but I was told I wasn't allowed. you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely base it on my own personal journey, but then I watch things unfold with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's less and less choice being offered to people these days because it's defensive medicine and everybody's 
suing everybody and there's so much liability surrounding birth that there's less choice. So I, I'm I'm curious. I I can go on. Yeah. (laughs) And and I, and I I think, um, with what I'm about to ask you, you know, you'll have a chance to go on because I'm curious, you experienced something with the, the birth of your twins and now you are being on the other side of it. You know, you want to empower um, other women and and let them know about their options. But it was going through that experience with your twins that you know kind of illuminated that to you. And when when we we we've spoken with so many moms and families who they didn't realize their options or they didn't realize you know uh, how things could be until they went through an experience that they didn't enjoy. So right. my question to you, Lindsay, is how do we as you know people in this birth community? How do we get to a point where people don't have to experience the you know these go through these experiences that they don't like that where they feel you know like victims like they've gone through a trauma in order for them to feel empowered the second time around what what needs to happen so that mm. people can just you know walk in understanding their options feeling empowered I know this is a big question, and if we could figure this out, then there'd be a lot of just amazingly happy and grateful families. But what do you think needs to happen, even on a small level? I mean, on a micro and macro level, education. Mm. Education. I mean, um, you know, you talk about people that have privilege, right? And they, and they have access to childbirth ed classes, and they have access to all these things. It's like some of them don't even know why it would benefit them until they go through the experience. And, and then there's communities that people don't have the money or the resources to even know what their choices are. You know, people don't leave their communities either. You know, you go to certain areas of Brooklyn, it's like people don't leave their community. So unless the childbirth education class is being offered at a community center or a church or somewhere in that community that's accessible, People don't know about it. People aren't going to go there. I mean, I don't leave Queens very often because I have, you know, a boatload of kids. Like, I stay close to my home. So making education accessible to everyone, not just people of privilege, um, you know, and, and, and offering education that isn't biased, like not, you know, a childbirth education class is being taught by the hospital to teach you how to be a good patient. Right. Like just education that, you know, can let you know what your options are. I mean, you can have an empowered birth having a surgical delivery. You can have an empowered birth in a hospital at home, you know, because you're engaged in the communication with your care providers, with your support team. You know, you know certain things are options and certain things aren't. And knowing when it is a true emergency and and knowing that it's out of your hands and trusting that your care provider can make the best decision for you and your baby or babies, Mm. Um, you know, but education. And and I think it's starting to happen. And that's where I do love the Instagram platform because there are more and more programs out there that are offering doula trainings and childbirth ed courses and online classes. So you can take a class wherever you are in the world. and just learn about the birth process and also learn about, you know, the procedures and the policies in the hospitals 
You know, I, I have so many clients that plan home births, right? But they don't do a lot of the work to figure out what a transfer would look like. And mm, so then yeah. when a transfer happens, they're devastated because they weren't even willing to kind of look at what it would look like or think about what it would look like. Yeah, that's you know, a great But if point. they had done a little bit, a little bit of work just going, well, if I were to be transferred, I'd like this, this, and this. And if I end up having a C-birth, or a cesarean birth, this is what I would like to have happen if possible. You know, it's, it's, it's like having birth preferences, right? Like, and, and then, you know, knowing that these plans can all change, but, but knowing that you've done the exercise of, of thinking about all the what ifs and being educated to know what the what ifs are. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that there's, for for folks like myself and Sarah and and all the people listening and people who may not necessarily go out and and go to their community center or to their church and say hey we need to get some birth programs in here because xyz i think that there are things that people like us can do because there's so many people who are listening right now who are interested in these conversations and who just by virtue of listening to this are empowering themselves and you know i know for me as the as my loved ones as my friends are getting pregnant and, you know, beginning to start their families, I want them to know, like, hey, listen, you have options. And there are, are you know, things that you may not be thinking about right now, which will help empower you and make you feel more confident. So I think there is some responsibility on just us, the community of people who are interested mm -hmm. in, in this topic to, you know, go and, and, and share it as well. Because there's a lot of us, there's a lot of people I know listening right now who could, you know, press pause on their on their iPhone and go and talk to the person that they know who's about to start a family and say, hey, here's a couple of resources that might open your eyes to a few things. And so I just wanted to, mm -hmm. to put that out there. I mean, the power of storytelling, mm. right? Yeah. Like we, we can we can help to change the narrative that that's been written. And and I mean, when you talk to somebody who's never given birth before, right? Or a partner that's supporting the birthing person. Well, what do they know about birth? Probably what's on the media, yeah. right? Um, what the movies portray or, you know, maybe you see a few Instagram accounts now, right? But only within the past, what, five years or so. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's relatively a new concept to normalize the birthing process. Mm. So, you know, and then storytelling, like a lot of times people don't want to share the bad stuff. And it's like, well, sometimes sharing the bad stuff can prepare you for if it happens to you. Mm. You know, we talk about the postpartum period, right? And and baby blues is such like, I, I, I fucking hate that term. Excuse mm. my French. Um, no, we love it. So like, we're, we, we welcome it. Any more of that is fine. This is an uncensored <laughs> and free safe space. So go for it. <laughs> I have a truck driver. Yeah. I'm from New Jersey. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, what is it about baby blues but, that you don't like that phrase? Well, because it, the, the term baby blues, it sounds so light and soft, like baby blues, you know, you're going to be a little, well, weepy. It's yeah. like, it was crushing for me. It was mm. crushing. Mm. It was like the weight of the world was on my shoulders and I was navigating how to become a parent mm. for the first time. You know, I was happy, but I was also like mourning my former life. And like, we're a society that doesn't allow for like multiple emotions at once. You're either happy or sad. 
You know, yes. you're one or the other. You, you can't be overjoyed that you have a baby, but also really upset and mourning your lack of spontaneity and like your former life and your former self. And I, I don't know. It, it, it's a lot of times things are talked about very lightly and these labels are given and you know, no one told me how epic it was to become a parent. Everyone talked about the stroller or the crib or the gear or all the, like the BS that wasn't really that important. I mean, strollers are important, but I mean, (laughs) but nobody talked about the emotional transformation that happens when you become a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, sorry, that was a little baby cough. Oh, that was a a very cute cough. Um, She's napping next to me. So, Well, and, and and when you do talk about things that are anything less than pleasant, you know, you almost get responses that create this guilt in you. Like, well, you should just be happy and, you know, you have a healthy kid mm. and, and you chose that. You chose to become, to become a parent. So, you know, that you don't really have space to quote unquote complain. And it isn't even complaining. It's, it's just, you know, like you said, kind of sometimes you feel like you get hit with a tidal wave and you're like, whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be big, but I didn't, I didn't expect that. Like I need to collect myself a little bit and you know i think that there's a lot of 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 guilt that goes a lot that goes around and it's past and you know sarah i know you talk about that a lot with uh just the conversations that, that you've seen um between moms you know just just the, the shaming and all this stuff and it's just a very it it's it's it seems to me to be opposite of what we're doing with with birth and creating families it's creating life you know it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. but then we want to we want to throw the shade all on it i mean the guilt that we put on ourselves is crushing mm-hmm. it's it's crushing it's you know what about you know the client i have doula clients that you know go through years of ivf have suffered multiple miscarriages right mm. and then they give birth they finally have a pregnancy that sticks right they give birth and they have this beautiful healthy baby but then they have these feelings like what have i done yeah. but they don't feel that they're allowed to have those thoughts because yeah. you know we've gone through this process of trying for a baby and now we finally have our healthy baby but i'm also like you know, there's feelings of regret, there's feelings of change. And, you know, I can't tell you how many of these clients slip into like postpartum depression and anxiety and, 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 you know, like we're allowed to feel all these feelings, you know, and we we're our own, I think we're our own worst enemy too, though, because we feel like we're not allowed to feel these things. And I feel like society supports some of that. Yeah. You know, you see all these glossy images of parenting, And a lot of it's bullshit. You know, you see this beautiful breastfeeding picture and it's like, we're not showing the pictures where, you know, half of the nipple is torn off and bloody and there's tongue ties and and lip ties and an underfed baby. And like, we're not showing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing, like what, what comes up for me a lot is the, the realness is just the word that keeps kind of scrolling across my mind. And that's what I experienced a lot of in reading your book was realness in terms of a balance of clearly you come from a very experienced and educated place. And yet it's presented in a way that I feel like is very digestible, very understandable. And you shed light on more things I would say than you 
see hear talk about in the average baby book you know or pregnancy preparation book and i really appreciated that um well, it feels like it's written by a real person. Yeah, <laughs> that's something. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like it was written by somebody who has emotions and opinions and you know feelings about different things, and that that's what's really great. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, we the book started as a book coming from my perspective. It turned into more, you know, of a guide, but it definitely came from my experiences and my journey. I didn't yeah. want it to just feel like I was like, well, this is what you have to do. And and even the title, it's like, I'm not empowering you. You're choosing to empower yourself mm. if you want to, mm. you yeah. know? So the, yeah. the, the title is a little tricky too. And, and that was something that I, I wanted to clarify. You yeah. know, I'm not going to empower you. You can choose to, you can also choose to not be empowered and that's okay too. Right. <laughs> like, Right. You may not want an empowered experience. You may want to have the kid and just be done and not really care about the journey to get there. That's yeah. valid too. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm glad this, you said that because it is know. totally valid. Yeah. And so you, like you said, it kind of comes from your perspective, but you get that because throughout the book, you insert um, accounts of your birth stories, which I loved. And I think gives, you know, especially like the birth junkie, that little taste of, you know, birth stories, which we love to hear and read and absorb. Um, and then also all of the kind of guide like, you know, geared information, but again, just in a really relatable way. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. And in terms of your birth stories, I mean, they're amazing. So just to pick up the book to read your birth stories is worth it. Um, <laughs> two consecutive sets of twins. Let's talk about that for just one second. Um, and can you remind me and listeners of the odds of that? You know, I forget exactly what the statistics are. I have it. I might have put it in the book, and I know I've written it down a few times, but they're not high. Mm-hmm. But I, after <laughs> having, they're not high, but after having your first set of spontaneous fraternal twins, there is a higher likelihood um, of having twins of, again because I happen to be a hyper ovulator, so I just ah. release more eggs with each pregnancy. It's a genetic thing. Wow. I don't have twins in my family, really. Um, so I, I don't, but it's something that I, my body does. So I'm to blame. Yeah. Um, my husband likes to think he's responsible. Um, but I think I'm the one. Um, it, when I got pregnant with the first set, it was complete and utter shock. I never even like thought that could be a possibility we were trying for one more baby. We got two. Um, the second set of twins was an unplanned pregnancy. So can you imagine that? Oops. Um, (laughs) you know, I, I, that one still, I, my husband had this inkling that maybe it was twins again before we found out. Wow. I had also felt a little sad that the pregnancy, the second twin pregnancy, I thought it was a singleton pregnancy. I was a little sad that it was only going to be one baby. How crazy is that, right? Like, I was like, oh, it's only going to be one this time. It's not going to be like the last twin pregnancy, which had this added magic to it because Mm -hmm. you're growing two freaking babies. And I was a little sad. And I remember thinking that before going in to find out how many there were. I set up an earlier ultrasound because I really wanted to have a home birth with that pregnancy. And I wanted to know how many babies I was dealing with. 
Um, and then when I found out it was two, um, <laughs> again, <laughs> I continued with my OB, but I also hired a home birth midwife to mm. do dual care. That's amazing. So did you end up uh, delivering the second set of twins at home or hospital? At home. Oh, at awesome. home. But that took so much work. And it's not something I encourage um, others to do unless you're willing to do the work. And as long as everything lines up. So I had already had a vaginal set of twins without any complications. Um, these were babies number four and five, right? And they both happened to be head down. I carried them until 40 weeks. Um, their birth was by far my easiest out of all of my births and wow. almost enjoyable. And it was That's a twin awesome. home birth. But finding a care provider that is competent mm. and willing to do a twin home birth is really hard. Um, I have, you know, a great resource list because now I specialize in twin prep classes and I know who the care providers are that deliver twins all over the country. Um, but at the time I had to do a lot of work, you know, to mm. figure out what my options even were. Um, but many of my twin clients, when I work in the doula capacity, um, are delivering in the hospital setting. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, there's one home birth midwife. I'm, I'm sorry, not midwife. There's one home birth OB in California that does lots of home births with twins. Wow. Um, so there's people out there. You yeah. Find them. Home birth OB. I haven't heard that that before. California, it's illegal for a midwife to do a twin home birth. Oh, okay. So, so this, is this is an OB that attends twin deliveries, breech deliveries at, in the home birth setting. Wow. He works with uh, midwives as well. Like he works in tandem with them, but an OB has to be present for okay. it to not be illegal in California. Got it. Okay. Hmm. Crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every state has a different, so different. different regulations yeah. regarding birth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears for one second and talk about something that you mentioned in the book that I have not seen in any other, obviously traditional, whatever that is, quote unquote, birth, pregnancy mm-hmm. related resource. But you touch on the LGBTQIA community and families and how families come in all variations and how important it is for these families to receive education geared towards them as well as outstanding Mm -hmm. care. And I'd just love for you to touch on that for a second. Well, I mean, I'm a birth worker in New York city, Mm -hmm. right? So we're a really diverse community um, of people. And so I'm fortunate enough to work with all different types of people and you know, even using the word woman and Mm. mother, it's like, it's getting a little, you know, we're changing the language and we're saying birthing people instead of mama and womb and motherhood and woman. It's like, we're, we're starting to say birthing person. And, you know, it's, it's something that we're doing at carriage house too, when we do our doula trainings and we're training doulas to go out there to address all people and all communities. And it is harder to get competent care when care providers are either really old, set in their ways, mm-hmm. you know, people get treated differently. You know, there was a client who, you know, 
um, wanted their gender pronoun to be they and not she. And this person looked like a woman. And so not respecting somebody's gender pronouns, like you don't know what kind of impact that could have on a person. Mm. And so when you're in the hospital, you know, being treated in a certain way in a very like straight white lens (laughs) could be really challenging for somebody who is part of that community. Or, I mean, imagine they're also a person of color, right? Right. Like throw all that in and and you're going to be treated differently, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, even in New York City, where I feel like we're a pretty progressive city, you know, it, there are a few hospitals, like there's one that has a little sign up that says, please let us know what your preferred pronouns are. I'm like, what? Awesome. <laughs> so we're, getting there. We're, we're getting there. And there are men that have babies and that like blows people's minds. Mm-hmm. It's like, but, it, but they can and they do. And, you know, it's not just breastfeeding, it's chest feeding. Mm. Um, you, you know, if you can use all, you know, and, and to, you already have so many body issue images, just being a human being, right? right? <laughs> could you imagine also being pregnant, but then identifying perhaps as male or, um, you know, like think about the added challenges that must bring to a person. Yeah. And when we look at everything as a whole and that we're all equal, you know, and we all should be treated as, as such. And we're not in this like current birth climate, you know, more black mothers and babies are dying. Right. And, and, you know, people that are in the trans community, the queer community, like are being treated differently. You know, that stuff has to change. Our language perhaps has to change to be more inclusive. Um, you know, I am not a straight woman. I'm married to a man, but you know, I've I've been a part of that community for a long time. And being in New York City, all different sorts of people have babies, and there's all different types of families that have babies. Mm. Yeah, and just to think it's one way, like man, woman, you know, married man, woman, white man, woman, <laughs> you know, like yeah. It's, it's, yeah, totally. that's not like that. That has to shift. That has to change. I'm also you know, as a person, I'm a bit of a loud mouth when I see injustice and I call it out. And I feel like it's our responsibility as a community to do that. Mm. Well, thank you for doing that. Yeah, you know, certainly. I, I know that there's people who are watching you and then who then feel inspired and, and can, you know, have the courage to call things out or or make those those subtle shifts in, in themselves. Like you just talked about the language. I know for for me, hosting this show, I realized that I was always saying husband, wife, and mm-hmm. you know, mother, father, and just expanding you know my language to to use the word partner because even just you know people aren't always married when they have kids, and it's just those little things right. that you may not think about, but like you said, it impacts other people. You know, it impacts how because they're already dealing with all all sorts of things, and then layer on some stuff on top of it. So. You know, I know I appreciate you writing this in the book and Sarah for asking the question because it's it's something that, you know, I believe we need to be educated on. You know, again, here we go coming back to education. Just having our eyes uh-huh. open that there that that there are people who, you know, they live their lives in all different types of ways and it's it's amazing and it's all awesome. And everybody deserves to be treated equally and to to have access to, you know, the resources and the care and just yeah, we're going. I'm on my soapbox. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, but we are all a work in progress, right? Like I slip up all the time. I unpack my shit every day. You know, I am not, I'm still learning too and, and navigating how to be inclusive and how to, you know, um, include all people. I mean, an injustice to one person is an injustice to all of us. And, and I feel like if more people really believed that it'd be a very different country right now. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, it's just, I I don't know. I, I think we all have so much work to do and I'm so grateful for the people that are willing to do the work and are willing to be uncomfortable while doing the work and to be okay with being called out. Mm. I get called out. I, I say things wrong all the time and I'm okay with being uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people are not. Mm. That's, you know, very true. And that, that's part of the problem. That's part of it. You know, well, like, um, like Sarah I've just said, been fortunate oh, to, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I, I lost the train of thought anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like Sarah said, thank you for, putting this in your book, including this conversation in your book, because, you know, we've read a number of, of, of birth books and, and parenting books and all that. And, uh, I can't recall seeing any, anything like that in the other ones. So appreciate you breaking ground on it. Well, I hope that more and more people are mindful of it in future birthing prep books or, you know, any, uh, book or, film or class or you know is a little bit more inclusive because Mm -hmm. all people matter yeah you know agreed Um, and you provide we just have to start mm -hmm. um you provide that way yeah illuminating um aspects to just the terminology that you listed before i love how the book has these little breakouts of terms that you may not be familiar with or maybe you've heard them thrown around and you thought you knew what it was and then you go a little bit more in depth as to what that is like chest feeding for example and then you also have little excerpts and quotes and nuggets of awesomeness from other you know experts leaders in the birth world from you know all ranges from you know breastfeeding to postpartum care and things like that so i love that it's kind of a communal uh, project as well. You know, you, you get different voices and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Those voices are important. Mm. You know, the voices within our community, I'm not, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I'd love to call upon the people in the community that are doing the work. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I just would like to amplify the work that other people are doing. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, one of the the last things I, I want to talk about as it relates to the book before we wrap up is you hit on the importance of self-care for mamas, for, you know, birthing parents, who, whomever the individual is. And I love that because that's so much of what I'm about and what I work with and, and my clients is cultivating that self-care, especially in a time where, you know, like you said, it's so many emotions at once. It's crushing and elating all at once, um, but it's so necessary. And you even allude to a specific, I believe it was a client of yours that you went and visited within a week of having a baby and she was on her knees scrubbing the kitchen floor and you mm-hmm. just kind of... It, it, um inserted yourself and said, um, no, (laughs) you know, you need to go over here and I'm going to rub your feet and you're going to chill out for a second because who cares about dirty kitchen floors when you just birthed a human, you know, no less than a week ago. Um, and I just really appreciated that because I think there is this, 
that you get an extra award or medal or something for reintegrating back into how your life was before a baby so Mm. quickly. When you kind of alluded to this earlier, there is no life before your baby anymore. You're not that same person. You're not going to go about things the same way. And um, priorities shift, and you should be at the top of that list of priorities. Yeah, 100%. I mean, also physically too, right? So emotionally we change, but we also change physically. And there's like, you get like a pat on the back because your body snapped back. Mm. You know, you're like, what? Like you get praise for showing, you know, like I happen to be very physically active. I, I tend to shed the baby weight, but who gives a shit? But I get awarded or like, oh my God, your body snapped back. Like I get this praise because of what my body did which is also like bullshit as a culture. We're like rewarding people or like, oh my gosh, she got back to work so quickly. Her body looks great. It's like, that is success. That's so backwards. Yeah. It's so backwards. It's like, instead of embracing the fact that we're forever changed, we're like trying to just get back to what was before, which will never be. We could never get that back. Right. I'm always going to have these stretch marks. I'm always going to, my hips are always going to be wider. I'm always going to be postpartum, right? Forever. Once you've had a baby, you're postpartum. That's not the same as postpartum depression, (laughs) but I am forever now postpartum. Mm -hmm. You know, I am forever changed. And I think society is like, or the culture of like getting back to it is is so wrong. Well, you know, this is another... I feel like in our, you know, 30, 40 minutes talking, there's been a number of things that we've touched on that have kind of opened my eyes. And I know have opened the eyes of people listening because I've absolutely said to a mom, you look great. And I, and, and fallen right into what we're, what we're talking about, that, that societal pressure and this belief that, you know, you get back, you get your body back and you get patted on the back and all of that. I've, I've done it. Mm-hmm. I've done it myself and I've done it. Oh, I have too. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and, and I, I appreciate you bringing it up and, and the way you did because, you know, it's, it's true. It's rewarding for, for the bullshit. And uh, yeah, this is the second time that I'm kind of stumped for, <laughs> with words because it's like, I mean, yeah, but you know, I do it too. I do it too. I'm like, oh my God, you look so great. You're glowing. You look <laughs> yeah. so good. And it's like, well, what, why am I doing that? Instead of like, how are you doing? Exactly. How are you feeling? Can I help you? Can I bring something to you? Instead of like, you look great. <laughs> like, yeah, because then... But that we're taught that as a society. Though. We are. Like, we have to change that, you know? Absolutely. And I think it starts with, with conversations like this that bring awareness to what those words and what those compliments, those, those phrases can mean. And what, you know, when somebody receives it, oh, it feels great. But then when they don't receive it, well, what's wrong with me? Do I not look great right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I really did, you That's know, right. pack on whatever. And and then just the cycle, just the cycle just goes and continues. So once again, thank you for, for bringing that up, bringing that up, because I wasn't thinking about it. And I know there's some people out there who weren't thinking about it either, but now they will. They'll think a little bit different next time that they... Thank you for being willing to think about it, right? Thank you for willing to be uncomfortable thinking about some of these things that we don't typically think about, you know? Um, So what's next for you or what do you have going on or what's going on with Carriage House Birth or any way that people can connect with you? Um, um, What's the state there? (laughs) My primary focus right now is on Carriage House. Um, we are 
training new doulas throughout the country. Um, and that has been, um, since the book has been out, I've kind of switched gears and really put everything into carriage house and, um, growing our education platform is something that we're doing currently. So please stay tuned. Um, which is why I keep saying education, education. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Drop it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I'm really focused on that. I mean, we're, we're flying out next week to LA to train some new doulas. We've added a couple scholarships to each training for people of color and any underserved communities. Um, we are hoping to offer some community trainings in the future. Hopefully, we can amplify the work of the organizations that are already offering free childbirth ed classes and free doula trainings, because there are some. Even in New York, we have Ancient Song Doula Services. They do community doula trainings. They do free, low-cost childbirth ed. Mm. So we try to you know, really amplify the work of people that are out there doing the work. And then for us as a brand, we're just trying to educate more. That's amazing. I dig it all. And, you know, those of you listening, again, the book, Lindsay Bliss's book, The Doula's Guide to Empowering Your Birth, go pick it up, listen to it, absorb it, or listen to it, read it, (laughs) listen to this, and then read the book. Um, Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you. I You are kind of one of my badass birth world heroes, and I just look up to you, and I just really appreciate what you're doing, as I'm, as I'm sure so many other women and families do, and all of your partners. You know, you mentioned Domino and Samantha. You know, acknowledge everyone who's a part of this mission as well. Um, and just thank you for coming on the show. This is awesome. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you both for having me. This was really awesome conversation and a great pause from my family vacation, which is chaos. So thank you for allowing me to talk about all the things that I'm really passionate and excited about. Thank you. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.